We're cooking hot dogs right now. We've got chips and soda, popsicles and some games. So don't rush off today. Hang around, families. Enjoy time with your dads and uh, join us for that cookout outside. You know, Father's Day is a great day. If you're a dad here this morning, a grandpa, maybe you're um, uh, a dad-to-be, that is awesome. Congratulations if you are a dad-to-be. We love being able to celebrate and honor dads here at Connect Church. Uh, We also recognize that maybe for some, um, Father's Day could be a time of celebration, but it could be a time of sadness as well. Maybe you are a dad, um, but you're remembering a dad who's not here anymore, and uh, that can be tough. And uh, our prayers go out to you. I pray that today... You would find the peace and the comfort from um, who I believe is the perfect example of a father, and that's our Father God. So if it's a a tough day for you today, if it's a a sad day reflecting on maybe a dad who wasn't such a great dad growing up, my prayer is that you will experience God's love and that you will find in him everything that a perfect father could, could give. But if you are here this morning and you are a dad yourself, um, you guys are awesome. Well done. Thanks for being here. Thanks for bringing your families to church with you here this morning. Um, You know, I read this week that um, a little boy was asked once to define Father's Day. He said, you know, it's just like Mother's Day, only you don't need to spend as much on the presents. And... uh, Maybe that's the case for you this morning. Sorry, dads, if all you got was a pair of socks and mum got that incredible uh, bouquet of flowers or maybe a nice lunch out, something like that. So, um, so I want to talk this morning just for a little bit about um, a specific father. Uh, you can read about him in the New Testament. And uh, this father, he had a, a pretty daunting task because this particular father that I want to talk about this morning, he was the father that God chose to be the father to his son, Jesus. We're going to talk about the man that God chose to be the earthly father to his son, Jesus. I mean, talk about responsibility. Talk about a weighty task to be the father raising Jesus, the son of God. This man, his name was Joseph. Maybe you've heard people talk of a a character in the Bible by the name of Joseph. And um, there's a couple. There's a Joseph in the Old Testament that's quite famous. He had a a Technicolor dream coat, this beautiful dream coat. That's not the Joseph I'm going to be speaking about this morning. The Joseph I'm speaking about was married to Mary. And uh, he was the father, the earthly father of Jesus. So we're going to take a look at Joseph's life this morning, and uh, we don't know a whole lot about Joseph. There's not a lot written about him, Uh, but what we do know, we can pull out a few um, really insightful facts about Joseph. And what I'd like to do this morning, because what I believe is that we can look to the life of this man, Joseph, and if you're a dad here this morning, I think there are some things that we can learn from the life of Joseph about the kind of dad that we could be. And the reality is that some of these things, these these things we look at, these aren't necessarily just for dads. These are attributes that every one of us, young or old, male or female, we could all apply in our lives. But for today, um, I'm going to stand as a dad with you dads, and we're going to really kind of look at this through that lens, the lens of being a father. We're going to look at this man by the name of Joseph, see what we can learn from him, and maybe as fathers here this morning, see how we can apply that in our lives. So we first hear about this guy, Joseph, um, in a letter written by a man by the name of Matthew. So there are four accounts of the life of Jesus. They were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew, he actually goes right back to the beginning. He, he talks a lot about the birth of Jesus and even prior to the birth, how that all came about. So, so we, we find out about Joseph and Mary in this, uh, this letter, this book of Matthew. 
So we're going to read that this morning. It's uh, Matthew chapter 1, and it's verses 18 to 25. If you've got a Bible with you, you can read along. Uh, If not, we're going to have it up on the screen so you can follow along up there. But this is what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 on. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quickly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a son. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, And did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary as his wife. He did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. So there are a couple of other passages uh, where we read a little bit more about Joseph. But this is really uh, really the bulk of it. This is the introduction uh, to this man by the name of Joseph. And what I want to do this morning is just look at three attributes of Joseph's life, three attributes that we can kind of um, deduct, that we can deduce as we look into the life of this man named Joseph. The first is that I think we discover, even in this passage here, that Joseph was a loving father. Joseph was a loving father. You know, I think any dad here this morning raising kids who, who one day become teens can can attest to the fact that, you know, at times it's tough, it's hard work being a loving father. Man, those teenage years, I've got a boy who's just hit 13, I've got a couple of others on the way. I I really relate to this quote I read of Mark Twain as I was preparing this message. He said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. You know, some of us have those 14-year-olds that can't believe how little dad knows. But hold out there. Hang in there. Because by 21, it'll be amazing how much you evolve and develop. And your son will become much more appreciative of who you are. It's not always easy to be loving. But we see that Joseph, he exemplified this. I think you can see it in two different ways. I think you can see first and foremost that Joseph loved Mary. You know, dads, if you want to give um, a great gift to your kids on Father's Day, love your wife, love their mum. That's a great thing that you can do as a dad is to love um, their mum, to love your wife. Listen to Joseph's response before the angel appeared to him to explain what had happened. In verse 19, it says, Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So when he found out she was pregnant, before he fully understood what was going on here and how much God was involved in this story, he, he was already trying to figure out a way that he could break off this engagement with doing as little harm as possible to this young lady that he still loved. 
You see, in those times, the penalty for adultery, especially in the Old Testament, so, so hundreds of years before that, uh, the Jewish people would have, would have known this, that this was in their history, that the penalty for adultery was death by stoning. And that this penalty even applied to infidelity during the engagement periods, during the, the betrothal periods, they call it. Now, by New Testament times, things had, had changed a little bit, and stoning wasn't really as common but the matter was still treated as a grave offense. So upon discovery that Mary was pregnant, Joseph would have been obliged to, to actually divorce her. Even though they weren't married, in that culture they were as good as married because they were committed to one another. So Joseph would have been looking for a way to, to break off that marriage, to divorce Mary. But we read there in verse 19 that he didn't want to disgrace her publicly. So even before God had spoken to Joseph, he didn't have any vengeance or bitterness in his heart. It says that he was, he was quietly looking for a way to, to make things right. There was actually ways in that time where you could divorce someone very quietly without the involvement of a judge. And Joseph was already considering the best way to do this. He didn't want Mary to endure the shame and he didn't want to embarrass her publicly. So he was looking for the best way to break off this engagement. But then we read that the angel appeared to him and said, listen, God is involved in this. This is an incredible, miraculous God story. And you may not be able to wrap your head around this right now, but God has chosen Mary. And he's chosen you too. And Joseph, knowing that God was involved and trusting God, he chose to continue to be with Mary. He chose, because he loved Mary, to be the best husband that he could be. And eventually, the best father. Because I don't believe that Joseph was just a great husband. I don't believe that Joseph just loved Mary. I believe Joseph loved Jesus. And that's really important for us to understand this morning because when this child came along, the child he had not conceived, there was no attitude we ever see in Joseph that this boy isn't really mine. This boy isn't my flesh and blood. We don't see any resentment or indifference towards him. We don't see any lack of love at all. We see that Joseph adopted Jesus as his own. Joseph made the choice to say, I'm going to raise this son as my own son. We know that he took the role of fatherhood seriously. Um, if you're familiar with the story, shortly after Jesus' birth, King Herod became aware that there was a king that had been born. He'd been told that this king had been born, and he didn't understand all the ramifications for, of that. He just thought his kingship was under threat. So not knowing where this baby was, not knowing where this baby Jesus had been born, he decreed that every baby two years and under should be slaughtered in the whole area. So Joseph gets wind of this, and Joseph proves here that he's the loving, caring father that he is because he rescues his family, and he takes Jesus as far away from Herod as possible. We know that he nurtured him, he cared for him, and eventually he even taught Jesus his own trade of carpentry. And you know, for us as parents in this modern day scenario, I think that's a great attribute that we can learn from Joseph. You know, Case and I, now that we're um, lead pastors here at Connect, we get to talk a lot more to couples, and um, especially sometimes couples who maybe are struggling in their marriage or going through difficult times. And what we sometimes come across is we'll talk to a couple and, um, and, and they'll be in a blended family. Maybe mum and dad are, are kind of remarried and, and in that remarriage there are some new children involved now. Maybe it's not the kids that dad had with mum. And, and we'll hear stories of, of difficulty because, you know, dad doesn't treat um, mum's kids the same way he treats his kids. And there's always a, a difficulty there. But sometimes, you know, we, we meet couples and it's the opposite. 
We meet couples who maybe a husband has married the wife and, and she already had a child. And we see this, this amazing um, just demonstration of love because that dad, even though that child isn't his own flesh and blood, he raises her or he raises him as if they were. And he loves them and he cares for them and there's no sense of resentment whatsoever. And I think as dads, we can be challenged by Joseph here because Joseph could react that way. Joseph could say, hey, he's not mine. But Joseph didn't just love Mary. I believe Joseph loved Jesus. So we know first and foremost that, that Joseph was a loving father. And as dads this morning, that's a, an attribute we can strive to, to model after in our lives. We also know that as well as being a loving father, Joseph was a godly father. Joseph was a godly father, a man who followed God, who loved God with all of his heart. And here's how we know that. There are, there are a couple of different instances here where we can see that Joseph loved the Lord. You know, we read that he was responsive to the angel's instruction in a dream. You know, if he didn't really love God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength, I think in that dream he could have thought, you know what, forget that dream. I'll put that down to something I just ate last night. I don't want this kid. I don't want this lady that I'm about to marry who's about to have this child that's not mine. I don't want anything to do with it. But we know that God spoke to Joseph in a dream and Joseph loved God so much that he was willing to say, you know, I could not tell anyone about this dream or I could accept that this is God, God's plan. God is speaking to me. He has a destiny and a purpose for this son of mine. We know that Joseph put God first in his life. Uh, you can read in another account of the life of Jesus, a guy by the name of Luke, he, he tells a couple of stories. He says that Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required. That was in Luke chapter 2, verse 27. A little bit later in Luke 2, 41, it says that every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. So we know that Joseph was, was willing to follow the traditions, follow the, um, the patterns of what it meant to be a follower of God in those days. And you know, if you're a dad here this morning, I'm thrilled that you're here. I'm thrilled that to you, being in church this morning was an important decision for you to make. I actually spoke to a friend of mine on the phone just this week. He's a, a church planter down in Kansas City, and we were talking about Father's Day and what they were doing in his church, what we were doing here. And he said, just be ready, Dave, he said, because in my years of being a pastor at a church, what I've noticed is that Mother's Day tends to be a lot higher attended. What you find is on Mother's Day, you get a lot more people in church than normal because what happens is mom says, hey, I want all of you at church with me this morning. I want the whole family there. We're going to go to lunch afterwards. This is mom's day and I want you all here and mom and grandma. And, and because of that, your numbers tend to go up. But he said, Dave, what I've noticed is that on Father's Day, sometimes the opposite happens. Dad's like, hey, this is my day. So I don't want to go to church. I want to have a day off. I want to stay at home on Father's Day just one time. I don't want to go to church. And yet this morning I'm looking out and I'm seeing a lot of dads who have said, hey, even though this is my day, I still want to go to church. I want to bring my wife. I want to bring my family to church because this is important to me. This, this relationship I have, this, this belief I have in God, my father, is important enough that even though it's my day, I want to start my day out at church. And it's because of you dads that we went out and we didn't just buy regular hot dogs, okay? We got Nathan's hot dogs, okay? Yeah. We got the, uh, the good stadium dogs. So right now, there are dads who slept in, and when they find out the hot dogs that you got to eat this afternoon, they'll be like, man, I'm going to go to Connect next year. We won't do them next year. We'll just do them this year for you dads. So uh, 
So well done. We've got great hot dogs, but I'm thrilled that you dads that are here are saying, listen, I love God, and, and this means a lot to me. I want to be here in church this morning with my family. That's the kind of life that Joseph led. You know, as well as putting God first in his life, we know that he trusted God. That's really difficult sometimes for us as dads, but, but Joseph, he trusted God. We know that he set off to Bethlehem, his wife heavily pregnant, do any day, with no real plan of what was going to happen when he got there. He didn't have reservations at a hotel even. Some of us dads are like, well, that's crazy. I've got like a whole itinerary for our vacation. We're not leaving until August. But Joseph trusted God. He says, I know God will provide. I know God will make things work. And for us as dads, I think that's a great challenge. How much are we prepared to say, God, I trust you with every area of my life. As a dad, I trust you that you will help me be the best dad I can be, that I will be able to raise my kids in the best way possible. You know, Case and I were at a um, funeral just a couple of weeks ago. And the man who passed away way too early was a great man. He was a family that I got to live with when I first came to America. And uh, this gentleman, he passed away, and it was a very sad funeral for all the family and friends that left behind. But everyone in that room knew without any shadow of a doubt that that man is now in heaven with Jesus. There's no doubt whatsoever by the life this man lived. And as these people were sharing stories about this man and the impact he'd had on their lives, time and time again, you heard about this, this godly man. But what I thought was most amazing was his daughter told a story. She said, I can remember when I was in, I think it was middle school, uh, my job during the summer, now dad had just built this house. He'd, uh, he, this was their dream house. He'd built this house as a beautiful home. And it was her job during summer break from school to water the plants. And there was a big flower bed, lots of flowers to water. So she would sometimes just turn the hose on, leave it in the flower bed, and then come back 10, 15 minutes later and turn it off. That was kind of getting the water all over the flower bed. Well, this one day she turned the hose on and she went inside and she got busy, got talking to mum. Mum says, do you want to go out and do some shopping? She's like, yeah. So off they went, did some shopping. Yeah, gone a couple of hours. They come back. They're, uh, they're just sitting at home having lunch. And as they're sat there, the daughter and the mum, suddenly they hear this cracking and this creaking on one side of the house. They're like, what's that? And they run over to that side of the house just in time to see the basement wall start to cave in on that side of the house. And what she realized is that she'd left the hose on for hours and hours, and it actually caused enough damage that that part of the basement wall caved in. She's telling this story at the funeral about her dad coming home from work and desperately grabbing friends and relatives to get over there and brace the house and try and save it from any more damage. And then that inevitable moment came where she had to sit down with dad and talk about the hose. <laughs> She said there at that funeral, she said, you know what my dad said to me? He put his arm around my shoulder. He says, you know, God's trying to teach us something through this. Let's pray together now and just ask God what he wants us to learn through this situation. I'm like, wow. I'd love to hear that said at my funeral. But just this week, my son was kicking a ball. He knocked over one of my tea mugs. Yeah. One of my tea mugs. Now, fortunately, there was no tea in it. But uh, I find myself like, oh, well... But this great godly man, he's, you know, there's so many responses he could have had. But because trusting God and obedience to God and seeing God in all areas of his life was so important to him in that moment. And here we are 20 or 30 years later, his daughter's telling this story that I know she carried with her all of her life. That impacted her. I bet that impacts how her and her husband raised their kids. That some of us have got to put God as such a priority in our lives that whatever happens, whatever struggles we run into, whatever conflicts we deal, God's in them. And we have an opportunity as leaders in our home to walk our kids through these situations and say, hey guys, what's God trying to teach us through this? 
yeah, this is really bad what just happened, but I think God loves us, and I think God knew this was going to happen, and I think there's something we can learn as a result of this. And we have the opportunity to be pastors to our own kids and to lead them through those instances in our lives. So Joseph, we know, was a, a loving father. We know that he was a godly father. And, and here's the last thing that I think when I think of Joseph. I think Joseph was a wise father. I really do believe that Joseph was a wise father. Now, we have plenty of opportunities as dads to, to show our wisdom. In fact, you ladies may not know this, but some of our dads, the wiser ones that are here this morning, we've actually even developed a language all of our own uh, to mask our wisdom. Did you know that, ladies? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, sorry, dads, I'm going to let the cat out the bag this morning. I'm going to expose that, uh, that side of us because I'm going to expose some of our wisdom to you ladies this morning. For example, you may not know about this language that we've mastered as dads and husbands, but... Um, Here's one. Maybe you've heard your husband, maybe kids, you've heard your dad say, listen, it would just take too long to explain. You've asked them something like, listen, it would just take too long to explain. What that means is we have no idea. We don't know how it works either, but it's easier for us to say, you know, no, it, would just be, it, would be, it would be too difficult for me to explain that to you. How about this? Maybe wise, you've heard your husband lovingly say, take a break, honey. You're working too hard. You ladies ever heard your husband say that? Have you noticed how it's normally when you're vacuuming as he's trying to watch the game on TV? That's, take a break, honey. You need to sit down for a bit. Take, just take, put your feet up for a bit. How about this? When you, have you ever heard your husband say, uh-huh, sure, honey. Yes, dear. Yeah, that means absolutely nothing. We just, that's like a conditional response that we say to everything that we hear. When your husband says, I heard you. It means, I've not got the foggiest clue what you just said, but I'm really hoping desperately that I can fake it enough over the next few days so that you won't come back to me and say, I knew you didn't hear what I said. <laughs> How about when a guy says, that's not what I meant? When a guy says, that's not what I meant, here's what he means. If something I said can be interpreted two ways, and one of those ways makes you sad or angry, I meant the other one. <laughs> that's not what I meant. I meant the other one. <laughs> Or maybe this, this classic line from all the wise men out there this morning, honey, I can't find it. What that means is it didn't just fall into my outstretched hand, so now I'm completely clueless as to where to look for it. So we use wisdom to, to mask some of our uh, shortfalls as dads, as husbands. But what does wisdom really look like? How, how do you determine the, the wisdom of a person? How can we look at the life of Joseph and say, yeah, he was a wise man? Here's how I think you can determine the wisdom of an individual. I think you can determine the wisdom of any individual by the, um, the environment that you find them in, the people that are around them. For example, maybe you work in an office, maybe you work in a, um, a hospital or in a factory, and, and you're either the boss or maybe you, you work around other bosses, and, and you can see areas where there's a lot of problems in a particular area, Maybe a lot of employees are having issues. Maybe the turnaround of staff is, is quite high. And maybe you hear the boss in that situation lamenting to the fact that this employee that and this problem this and the economy that and this and that. But really, realistically, the buck stops with the leader, doesn't it? If there are constant problems in that area, then maybe someone should be looking at the leader in that environment. Here's another example. What about in sports? You know, many of us, I'm looking out here, I know your kids play different sports, and maybe you've sat on the sidelines and you've watched another team, 
And all they're doing is like fouling. And all they're doing is like they're, they're 10-year-olds and the language they're using. You're like, man, I can understand like one or two kids behaving that way. But when the whole team is acting like that, that's not the kids. There's a coach somewhere on a sideline that's letting them get away with this. In fact, even worse, there's a coach somewhere on the sideline that's encouraging this. The leader in that environment shows, and, and maybe you see the opposite. Maybe you see a team and they're just amazing. Their attitudes are great. They're, they're good winners. They're good losers. They're just amazing. And that speaks volume of the coach as well. So in just the same way, I think you can judge a lot about the wisdom of the individual, the wisdom of a father by their kids. And some of the dads now are like, oh, no. <laughs> Man, in that case, I'm in a lot of trouble. But I'm talking about your kids over a long space of time, okay? Because there will be periods where your kids are just going to be kids, and they're going to go through some, some crazy different times. But eventually, I think you can judge a lot by the wisdom of the father, by who those kids grow up to be. You see, you may not have known this, but Joseph, Joseph and Mary, Jesus wasn't the only son that they had. We don't know all about every child they had, but we do know of a couple of sons that Joseph and Mary had themselves. One, his name was James, and another one, his name was Jude. And the reason we know about both these guys is because both of them are quite key figures in the New Testament. James was a, 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 a large leader in the church in Jerusalem, a very famous individual. He wrote a book in the New Testament called James. His brother Jude wrote another book called Jude. So we know that at least two, well, actually, let's say three, because Jesus was another son of Joseph. Joseph, as a father, I just have to believe that he was a wise father because he's raised these three boys to become great, godly men. So I don't think we assess ourselves as fathers right now, but I think at some point our kids are going to grow up and things that we've instilled into them as dads will determine who they one day will become. So we can, we can aspire to be like Joseph. We can be a, a godly father, a loving father, a wise father. But every part of it, we need God's help. We can say, God, I need your help in this. I can't do this in my own strength. And maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're visiting. Maybe you've come with family or friends. And maybe right now you are trying to do it in your own strength. Maybe you're saying, you know what? This church thing's new to me. This God thing's new to me. I'm not sure about all that, but I've got it figured out. I want to tell you that God is a great, loving father. And he wants to equip you to be the best father that you can be. Because if you're a dad here this morning, you're probably like me. You don't show this all the time, but you, you bear that responsibility. You bear that weight of responsibility knowing that I have a huge impact in who my sons and my daughters are going to be. I have a huge impact in who my sons will grow up to be. I have a huge impact in who my daughter one day will choose to be as a partner. Because we all know this this morning, dads, is that our kids, our girls, they're going to grow up and they're going to look for a man like us. And hopefully we've raised them and we've done well. We've modeled what a good dad and a good husband should look like. You know, in closing, I want to just share this last story. I was... Um, in conversation just a couple of weeks ago with our mayor of Washington, Gary Manier. And um, I'd actually got to meet with him. It was a pretty cool reason why I got to meet. The uh, Chicago Bears came into town a couple of weeks ago. They were up at the square. And um, the mayor had contacted me and said, listen, we want to have a sound system set up there. And I know you guys are portable. Could we use your sound system? I was like, absolutely. Yeah. No, the Bears. Is that football or basketball? No, I knew. 
I was like, yeah, I'd love to. So um, we've got a portable system that they use in Connect Kids. And uh, I talked to a couple of the kids who are in charge of setting that up every week. I'm like, would you guys be willing to come and help me set this up? They're like, ah. I said, because the bears are coming. They're like, absolutely. <laughs> so that morning we were up at the square and I've got the three smallest boys in the world and the 20 of the biggest men you've ever seen stood behind them. And they're there, you know, running the sliders and holding the mics for the Chicago Bears. It was a great morning. But um, in my conversation with the mayor getting ready for it, he says, you know what, Dave? He says, I, att- I knew this. He attends a church um, here in town. And he says, my pastor's going to be out of town on, on Father's Day and I'm getting to speak. I'm going to be speaking at my church on Father's Day. He said, I think the title of my message is going to be Be Prepared. He said, this is why I think that. He said, because since the tornado, I've had a lot of people have come to me and said, hey, you know, you've done a great job of of leading our city through this time. You've done great, uh, you know, that when you're in front of the cameras, the way you present yourselves, things you've said. You've done really good when you've hit setbacks where funding that you thought you were going to get didn't come through and you've kept a real positive spirit and a great attitude. And he says, I keep having these people tell me these things. He said, but what I've realized, Dave, is that it's not like I was ready. You know, I was preparing that if one day a tornado comes, this is how I'll respond. I was just being me. He said, when this pastor asked me to speak on Father's Day, I realized that most of the things that have happened since the tornado have just been because that's the way my dad raised me. He raised me to to care for one another, to look out for your neighbors, to speak good of people. and And he kind of listed off several things that his dad had instilled in him growing up. Now, he said, and this is the amazing thing, no one may have ever known that about me until November the 17th. And then suddenly, I'm on this national stage and people get to see what my dad did in my life. You know, there's going to come a day where your son and daughter will go through something. And I believe as dads, we're going to get to say, wow, I'm so proud of you, the way you responded there. And we'll see that something that we installed in them, instilled in them years ago is coming to fruition in the way they respond in this situation. But that's hard. So I'm going to close out with a word of prayer here because the reality is we can leave here thinking, yeah, that's great. I want to be the best dad in the world. Or we can leave here thinking, man, that is terrifying. <laughs> that's a lot of responsibility for me as a dad here this morning which is why I'm so encouraged to be able to to say with you and to pray with you, we don't have to do that in our own strength. We can link arms with Father God, the greatest Father there is, and He can help us to become the greatest Father that we can be. Father, I pray for every dad here this morning. Thanks that they woke up this morning on a day where dads get to be dads and just get to celebrate Father's Day. And they said, you know what, I could put my feet up, I could watch TV, I could sleep in, but my first choice of the day is I want to be at church. I want to sing, I want to worship God, I want to bring my kids to learn about Jesus. I want to sit with my wife and and hear from the word, hear um, some teaching this morning. God, thanks for those dads. Lord, we all recognize it's a, a big responsibility to be a dad. That we don't sometimes see the fruits of that in the lives of our kids. In fact, sometimes we may even question. But Lord, I pray that every one of us, with your help, one day will see our kids grow to be adults. And it may not be a tornado, but we pray, Lord, there may come a day where we'll see our kids respond to a situation and we'll think, you know what? I see me and them at this point. I see what I I was telling them as a 10-year-old now coming to to pass as a 20, 25-year-old. And we'll celebrate God knowing that we could only do that because of your strength. So God, be with every dad today, be with every mum, be with every family. Lord, help it be a really just awesome day and bring us safely back next weekend. In Jesus' name, amen.